My name's Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio, episode number 176. Uh, Zen Parenting Radio, do you know what that is? That is a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom, that's you, and a logical and practical dad, that's me. We have three daughters, ages 6, 9, and 11, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. You said become. Become. The best predictor of a child's well-being is, in fact, a parent's self-understanding. And today we're going to be talking about conscious parenting. Which is a parent's self-understanding. That's right. Uh, our friend Dr. Shafali was on Oprah uh, last night. She was on twice. He's in the building! <laughs> That's my new Oprah drop. I don't know who he was. I don't know who she's talking about. But Maybe she was talking about Shafali. Whenever you bring Did up... Did she say he or she? I think... I think He's in the I need a bunch of Oprah jobs, so that's the only one I could find. So we're going to be talking about um, the foundation of what conscious parenting means to us, the fact that it's not a technique, it's actually a way of life. Yeah. And then we're going to specifically talk about a discussion that turned a little heated last week between you and I (laughs) in a car about extracurricular activities for our daughters. Yes, yes, yes. So to start that off, um, you know, like Todd said, conscious parenting um, was the big topic of uh, both of Shafali's shows yesterday, Super Soul Sunday and Life Class. And conscious parenting is one of those things that now that Oprah has decided she loved this book, she actually said it's she's been she hasn't been this excited about a book since A New Earth, since Eckhart Tolle's New Earth. So you know this book is going to do well, and you know that people are going to be interested in what conscious parenting is, which is wonderful. But there's all these foundational elements of conscious parenting that sometimes when parents think about this as a technique, they'll tend to miss the basic the less, points. The less foundational stuff you know about conscious parenting, the crazier it sounds. Yes. Very good point. It seems very inaccessible. Or it won't Unbelievable. Work. Yeah. Unless you are able to focus on a few things that we wanted to talk about here. So what are these foundational things you wanted to talk about? Well, the three that I'm going to pull out, and you know what? The thing is, is there's There's a million foundational things. But the way that I'm going to talk about them is self-awareness, mindfulness, and kindness, Mm -hmm. which sounds really simplistic, but I'm going to, I'll get deeper into it. Self-awareness first. If you don't have an understanding of yourself and who you are, what kind of emotions you have and what kind of energy you're carrying, it's going to be very difficult to understand your children and to understand how you affect your children or anybody else for that matter. One of the most important things that you need to know is that you carry an energy, um, your own energy, just Mm -hmm. kind of who you are, but you also carry whatever experiences you've had that day and how you've related to them. So if you have had a really tough day at work, heavy day at work, and then you've been fighting traffic all the way home and you're feeling that negative energy, and then you walk in the door and you try and have a meaningful discussion with someone, understand your energy is going to be really high and difficult and maybe set the wrong tone mm-hmm. for a meaningful discussion with your child. Beyond the words that you're saying. Has nothing to do with the words. Has nothing to do with the words or the message. It has to do with the energy that you're bringing to the situation. You have to take responsibility for the energy you bring anywhere. Because if you don't. Then other people are going to respond in a certain way and you're going to think it's all about them. Right. You're going to think it's my kid. It's that person at work. It's my spouse. It's their fault. And there's a lot of... One of the indicators that maybe self-awareness is something you want to focus on is that you blame everybody else for everything. Mm -hmm. 
it's okay to be annoyed at people. And of course, there are times when people are kind of jerky and you notice that. But instead of saying, they made me feel this way, actually, you have complete, you have choices over whether or not you allow anyone to make you feel a certain way. And that's all about creating a space between stimulus and response. Creating the space, which we'll talk about mindfulness in a minute. And I love that Todd said it that way because I will always still feel, you know, not many people get to a point where they're not stimulated by something. If someone said, like I was just right before we started, I was just looking at emails and I had a response to a certain email. I have a response still, no matter what, but the choice is after that, do I decide to lash out at people? Do I decide to, you know, call those people jerks Mm -hmm. and to respond negatively? Do I decide to carry that throughout my day and then react toward my kids in a negative way because I'm still carrying the negativity of the email? Or do I have the stimulus and then on my own, figure out a way to release that, process that, notice that. But first you even need to, uh, before we go to step two, step one is to even be aware of the stimulus. Like sometimes people will just react or respond without even knowing how the stimulus is affecting them. Mm -hmm. So the idea would be take a deep breath or take two minutes before responding to an email. Well, that, but that's what I said. I know. I'm oh, just... oh, you're saying, I thought you said take a step back from. No, I mean, it's just, I'm, I guess I'm just reiterating, reaffir- yes. yeah, reiterating everything you're saying. Well, and that's the thing is like the, just the fact, Todd, that you use the word stimulus, it obviously stimulated something. Right. You, you know what I mean? Like something happened where you read something and your mood changed. Right. And if you really want to go deep, what people who focus on consciousness, not just conscious parenting, but consciousness all the time, is they take it even layer below layer. Like, you know, I'll say I'll get an email and I have a response to it. Like I'm annoyed. Why am I annoyed? Well, I'm annoyed because they made me feel a certain way. Well, wait a second. Why? Why do I think that that's what they're trying to do? Because maybe I wasn't listened to. Well, and what I was going to say is they're not annoying you. Right. You have to give them permission to annoy you. And I'm already carrying something that allows that to trigger me. Right. And that's not a blame thing. That's an awareness thing. Right. There is something in me, like one of my issues always that I focus on is the fact that I don't like to disappoint people. And if I disappoint people, that I'm somehow not worthy. Right. That is a very deep seated I got a thing. little bit of that too. I think a lot of us do. Yeah. I think it's very common. But that is a very baseline understanding of myself. So when someone says something to me like, this isn't going to work for me or whatever, my I, it goes to my gut mm-hmm. because what that's telling me is because it's not going to work for you, I'm not worthy. Right. Now, that's a big leap for a lot of people. Right. And what I have to recognize is that's not true. Mm-hmm. That's an old belief system, either from childhood, most likely, or you know, from some experiences I've had in my life. And I'm allowing that old belief system to dictate how I respond in the present moment. And that is what self-awareness is, is, is everyone's like, well, how am I going to do that all day long? It's not easy. Yeah. But guess what? When you do practice self-awareness, your response, your relationships with other people are so much richer. Well, there's a cost to it. Right. It's very hard to try to create some space between stimulus and reaction. And some people are like, well, I can't do that or I don't want to do that. Well, that's fine. Then keep doing what you're doing. But how's that working for you? Dr. Phil, (laughs) how's that working for you? So I don't know. It's Well, and you know, the thing is, is it's easy to blame. It's easy to quicker. say. It's quicker. Easier. It's faster. You don't have to do any work when you blame. That's right. 
Um, the trick is, or the, the, the work is, when you look inward, saying, what role am I in this situation? And that's, that other person still may be jerky, right? but what role am I playing allowing them to affect my day? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it, it relieves them of any um, responsibility. It means that that's their responsibility. You don't have to change them or tell them why they're jerks. Mm-hmm. You just need to figure yourself out. Right. So self-awareness is number one. Take okay. responsibility for your energy, notice why you're reacting a certain way. Okay. And I, I have to say this because this is going, the next one is mindfulness. One of the things that Shafali kept saying that was very powerful, but I kept thinking, I, I hope people get this, is when you're with your kids, you have to attune with them. And what does that mean? Well, attunement means you have to be there in the present moment with them. You have to be f- in a place where you can hear what they're saying. Which means Check your judgments at the door. And your own baggage about what's happening. Right. Because if a child comes home, uh, you know, go I ahead, think us me. as parents already kind of think we know how a conversation yes. is going to go. Yes. So we bring those preconceived notions to the discussion and the child feels that or knows that and then will resist and you get nowhere. And then you start spinning your wheels. You're like, why am I? Why is this kid not listening to me? Or why is this kid behaving in such a way? We and start blaming them. And it's because we don't remove all of our stuff before entering this discussion. And more yes. from a more practical standpoint, when you when when Shafali and you say to a tune, very practically, put your phone down, get yes. to their level, look at them in the eyes and and listen instead of tell. Yes, beautiful. So like on that very basic level, literally put everything away. Second, when you are listening to them, be aware, like Todd just used a language like that we often use, you know, get rid of your baggage. Well, you really can't get rid of it, but you can become aware of it. it. Right. Be aware of what you bring and don't respond from that place. If your child is telling you that they're worried about a friend, this friend hasn't been nice to me, and you have a history of having people not be nice to you, try to stay present with them. They are not experiencing your history. Mm-hmm. So bringing your fear to that situation doesn't help. Relax, breathe, l- allow them to tell you about their experience. That is attunement. Well, I want to uh, go deeply philosophical for just a second here. Do it. Because we already talked about this, and I'm going to ask you to talk about your cup of coffee. Okay. The phrase that we talk about from time to time comes from Dr. Wayne Dyer. He wrote a book called, When You Change the Way You Look at Things, The Things You Look at Change. Yes. So before we press record this morning, you talked about how you can view your coffee two different ways and how it will actually affect your body. Right. When when uh, Dr. Dyer wrote that book, he was actually, he was talking about the Tao and how living the Tao allowed him to experience and see things differently. When and, you, I just want to say it one more time. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And so some people will say, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. And there are, there are physical levels, which Todd's going to explain, but I'm going to explain on a more emotional level. Let me just talk about coffee. So I've got a coffee in front of me right now and I'm looking at it. And if I carry the feeling and the energy or the belief system that this coffee is bad for me, I should not be drinking this coffee. This coffee is just not what my body needs. And it's just that heavy, feel bad energy. Then when I drink it, my body experiences it differently. And my emo- emotionally, I, I drink it differently where I'm feeling guilty and bad and heavy and it weighs me down. When I look at this coffee and I 
say to myself you choose to look at it i choose to and i know first of all it's just this lovely cup of coffee that is i so enjoy having in my hand it's warm it tastes so good i look forward to it it cleans my body mm-hmm. we all know that coffee is not awful for us it's right. about the the amount mm-hmm. not it right. we take it and we like we take anything and we throw it away right. versus a little bit of coffee is actually helpful in cleansing your system and i'm thankful for it and it's got this lovely oprah quote on it that I love. And I'm just, I love this coffee. So when I drink it, I have a totally different experience with it. So what you're saying is if two separate people, forget about separate people, let's say you look at the coffee yesterday and you're in a bad mood and you thought, oh, I don't need this. This caffeine isn't good for me. It makes me jittery. It would affect your body differently differently yesterday than- And my emotions. And your emotions versus today when you look at it with love- Gratitude. Positive energy. It will literally change the way it affects your body for the better. And my emotions. So this is the subatomic level because I'm more of a sciencey guy than an emotional guy. Um, At least my brain is. Yeah. Um, uh, Just a quick sentence. It says, it turns out, so scientists who study quantum physics, um, it says it turns out that at the tiniest subatomic level, the actual act of observing a particle, and when I say particle, I'm talking about subatomic particles, changes the particle. The way we observe these infinitely small building blocks of life is a determining factor in what they ultimately become. Mm-hmm. So, you know, fast forward or move over to your coffee, that's what it's about. So scientifically, they prove this. Like when you when these scientists observe an atom or a subatomic particle, it changes as instead of as if nobody was observing it at all. Uh, observation changes something right. or the way you observe it. This is a this is an Einstein thing. Yeah, this is it, crazy and science. It's, it's it's chaotic. It makes no sense to our logical, our logical brain. brain. And I think that's what quantum means. Like doesn't make any sense at all. Beyond yet, understanding. Right. Yet it is true. Mm-hmm. They have they have scientifically, mathematically calculated that a particle is different when it's being observed. So now let's take that to something beyond coffee. Let's take that to your child. Right. Let's take that to yourself. Right. The way you observe yourself, the way you observe your child not only affects your emotions and your belief systems about that person, but it actually affects that person. And it affects the way your relationship is created, how it grows, how they grow, what they experience about themselves. It affects the way you go through your day. We we think we're so powerless Mm -hmm. that like, you know, the earth and universe is out to get us. And it's exactly the opposite. We have all of this ability and power. And as Marianne Williamson says, that's what scares us the most. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us would much rather feel powerless because then we don't have to take responsibility. Marianne Williamson's quote, and I'm not sure if I could bring it up completely, but it's not our darkness that scares us. It's our light that scares us. We are so powerful that it makes us want to throw in the towel and say, this is too much for me. But if we can just grasp pieces of it, layers of it, moments of it, it changes the way things are. If you change the way you look at things... The things you look at change. I can one day look at myself in the mirror and be very focused on a certain body part or the way something fits and have a totally, you know, a belief system about myself. I can two minutes later put on something else and say, wow, or maybe I didn't even change. Maybe I just changed the way I processed myself and be like, wow, I look great. And nothing changed. It was just a mindset. And then everything about me changes when I go into the world and what I put out there. So I know Todd and I are getting really deep into this, but this is what self-awareness is. And so when we're talking about conscious parenting, you understand that you have to have at least an 
understanding of these kind of things, or else this concept will seem way too, you will feel unable. If you jump in in the middle without these foundational ideas, it's just, it it, it makes it that much more difficult for these ideas to be incorporated and to work. To integrate it as something that's possible. Right. And, you know, so the next one was mindfulness, which is very connected to this. Mindfulness meaning you have to be, you have to notice your thoughts. You have to notice what you're thinking and you have to notice that feelings come and go and that you are not a thing. You are not an angry person. You are not always joyful. Those aren't truths. Right. You are not angry. You have anger. You have anger at times. You know, you have joy and and we can you know i i can go deeper in that meaning we always have a deep-seated hope and joy within mm-hmm. us that we can always find right. but as far as feelings as far as experiences that we're having different feelings come and go and so instead of getting focused or locked in on something we mm-hmm. can allow them to come and go that's what mindfulness is right. the practice of you know any kind of meditation or quiet time that is like exercise for mindfulness. That is not mindfulness, period. Mindfulness is using it in your daily life. So like for someone like Todd, who doesn't love to sit and do the practice, he likes to do it on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Like in this moment, I'm going to be mindful, really, which is just as, as effective and oftentimes more effective. I like doing them both. I know. I like. So your first two were, um, mindfulness and self-awareness. And our third one is... Kindness. But before we get to that, I want to talk about our first partner. Okay, please. Uh, Dr. John Kelly, he's our awesome dentist. He works out of the northwest side of Chicago. Uh, He's our partner. He provides comprehensive dentistry. and uh, He's not your average dentist. He's not your... This isn't your dad's dentist. (laughs) That was was the tagline that I'm creating. Todd and I are trying to come up with good taglines because... It's such a big, he's, he's opened our minds so much to what dentistry is mm-hmm. that it's, it's just like consciousness. It's hard to explain it in a soundbite, right. but he, he goes beyond just the vanity piece, just the visual. Yeah. And he looks at, he, he, instead of putting, health. yeah, he looks at overall health and how your dentistry has to do with your, um, your airways and your breathing patterns and your sleep and your sleep and your behavior. And it all kind of connects. So we're going to talk about Dr. Kelly quite a bit over the next few months. But um, if you have any interest in uh, reaching out to Dr. Kelly, he lives, uh, he works on the Northwest side of Chicago. Address is 5350 West Devon Avenue. Number is 773-631-6844. And his website is chicagodentistonline.com. So let's talk about kindness. So the last one is the, I think the issue that I didn't know exactly what to call this one, but when talking about changing your approach, again, it's not a technique, but changing your approach to parenting is that we really have this mindset that parenting is about power Mm -hmm. and about us being in power and about us, you know, as they talked about on the show, it's a hierarchy. We are in charge. They are below us. We know more. They know less. And we, I was saying to Todd that it's almost like when we were kids, this this time was promised to us. Like, okay, we're going to let adults overpower us, but when I become an adult, I'm going to overpower kids. Well, and the easiest example I have is in college. You're in fraternities or like if you're in a football program, the freshmen totally. are the ones who get hazed. Right. And you deal with it so that when you become a junior or senior, you get to, do you get to go haze. Yeah. And in a weird way, that's kind of like the way parenting is. Like, I'm just making this up. Let's say my dad and my mom were horrible to me. Well, it's going to be my turn eventually. And then I get to be horrible to them. Totally. Or the, you know, the self-aware, mindful and kind approach would be, I'm going to try something different, which is what we talk about all the time on the show. But a lot of times subconsciously, 
we're still coming from that place of I am the powerful one. And if you don't listen to me, then there's something wrong with you. I am the powerful one. I know better than you. Right. And it just even sounds funny coming out of my mouth. (laughs) I know better. And there are certain, and this is the tricky part, there are certain things where I can provide boundaries that yes. is safe for them, but that doesn't necessarily mean I know better. Like I have more life experience yes, than you. That you is go. a truth. Right. But again, again, point made on the show yesterday, but I'm also more cynical. Mm-hmm. I'm also, my veil is not as thin as yours. And what I mean by that is I'm not as connected to that energetic level as you are. Anymore. I'm more jaded. I'm more jaded. Yeah. I'm more, um, and so even though we have a skill set, mm-hmm. which is we have the adult uh, brain being able to um, understand consequences, how things happen, life experiences. We, like Todd said, we get to hold the container mm-hmm. of I have the skills to keep you safe. But the belief system that kids don't know things or that they don't know who they are or that they don't know what's best for, what's them. Best for them is is a misconception. Yeah. Kids know who they are very early. Mm -hmm. What we do is we say, oh, no, 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 you can't be that way. You've got to be either more like me Mm -hmm. or you've got to be even better than Than, me. Than who I never fulfilled my own destiny. So I need you to fulfill it for me. Because I'm going to live through you. And this is a little child. And to put those types of expectations on whether or not your child is 2 or 10 or 20 is completely unfair. And what we're missing, this is the huge... is, I think, the core of conscious parenting is that we have taken raising our child to a surface level of they need to be straight-A students, they need to be in all these activities, they need to be singing, playing piano, playing three other instruments in three sports, and therefore I'm doing a good job. Those are surfacey activities that if they love mm. and helps them feel like themselves, more power to you. It's not like my kids aren't in activities, mm. but we've We've made those kind of achievements the things that signal our ability to parent. Right. When really parenting is about everyday moments. When your child gets up and they're messy and they're kind of like half asleep and they're just walking in the bathroom, do you notice what a beautiful being they are? And I don't mean beauty outside. Mm-hmm. Do you notice the spirit of that child? Do you connect with that person? Are you grateful for the fact that this person is in your life to privilege. Help, privilege to help raise this person, not to raise this person to be a pianist, mm-hmm. not to raise them to be the valedictorian, but as a person. Right. One of my favorite quotes from the movie Race to Nowhere is this guy says, and I, again, I don't have it verbatim, but he says something to the effect of, when did we forget to just raise good kids? Right. And what he meant by that is we're, we're putting all these, we're wanting them to be these exceptional people before they're 10 years old. Right. And if they're not, then we don't value them. You're not doing what I said to do. You're not doing enough. And they already are exceptional people spiritually. Well, and we can even focus on, you know, it's sometimes it's like, say a kid brings home a report card and kid brings home all A's and a C. Yeah. What do most of us say? Why'd you get this C? What happened? What happened? (laughs) <laughs> You're missing it. It's so messed up. And and I am gu- not guilty of that exact example, but it's easier because it sticks out. And this is where we go back to self-awareness. Mm-hmm. It Like Todd, you know, for example, you may get that report card and you may have an instinctual response of why they get that C, but the stimulus and the reaction, are you going to say it right. or are you going to recognize that's your stuff? Right. That's my own. And you're going to like take a deep breath and say, you know what, that's my untruth that I'm still working through. To, you know, tell me about your report card. Because here's the thing, a report card, 
which was talked about a little bit on Super Soul Sunday yesterday, it can be a marker. It can show you the things that they're really enjoying or things they're struggling with, but it may not be an intelligence marker. Mm -hmm. It could be that day of taking a test. It could be that teacher. I had one of my kids tell me that she didn't enjoy writing. And this is one of my children that is an excellent writer. Mm-hmm. And so she and I had a deep, and it, and it even wasn't about her teacher. It was just about the expectation of what writing means in school. Right. And she and I had a really big talk about don't allow, because you're an ex. And when I say excellent writer, it's not about punctuation. It's not even her handwriting. Right. It's that her thought processes are so beautiful. Right. So I said, don't get lost in what school's telling you writing to be. Right. You know, don't, don't carry around the mindset of I'm not a good writer. Just do the game of school. Yeah. And then if you need to come home and write out your beautiful thoughts, do it there. Well, and as long as we're talking about school, I think we as parents, uh, a lot of parents uh, put a lot of pressure on their kids to do a little bit better than they would had you not pushed them. So you turn that B into an A or you turn that C into a B and then they get into the next higher level in that classroom. My problem with that is... It's never ending. It doesn't end. You will not until maybe they graduate from Harvard MBA program. But or then whatever you're like, what job are you going to get? Right. So it's a never ending cycle. So what I would challenge myself and the rest of us parents to do is to let that go and to play the game of school and make sure they do their homework, right. but not always pushing for a little bit more effort because it, that pushing sometimes is met with resistance Absolutely. too. So that doesn't necessarily work. And even more important, not only are you not going to get the educational outcomes that you want, but you're you're sacrificing that relationship with your child mm-hmm. for something that doesn't mean anything in the big picture. I'm not saying grades aren't important. I'm saying going from that B to the A doesn't... It, maybe they do do it, but then maybe the next year they don't. And then you're constantly in this negative cycle. Well, and the system is set up for a culture that worked 30 years ago. Right. And I don't know if you want to talk about Daniel Pink as far as what type of people we're well, going to need in 20 years. Again, the educa- educational system is set up for our when we became an industrialized society. Right. We needed certain skill sets so we could create these businesses, so we could create our, mm-hmm. you know – our towns and mm-hmm. and and make a thriving world. Right. Well, we've kind of done that already. Right. And so those jobs that people are studying for don't really exist anymore. Or at least not in the same amount because computers now have the ability to do a lot of those services. And the jobs that we need now, mm-hmm. the, the jobs that are necessary are people who think out of the box, who are creative, not only in technology, but just in big picture ideas. How do we, you know... Don't even get me started on environmental issues. How are we going to make these shifts? We got to think out of the box. How are we going to help people like, you know, in social service situations, these agencies are breaking down these old systems. What are we going to do differently? How are we going to manage money differently in our government? And we have to be creative yet the schools, some schools are still keeping the creative alive. Thank goodness. But so many are are getting rid of these things. Get rid of music, get rid of art. Get rid of any kind of, you know, these, these fun extracurricular things during the day, recess. Mm-hmm. My kindergartner doesn't have recess. It's crazy. And I think that's common in many schools. But my point is, is that we're losing perspective on what we really need. And like Todd brought up Daniel Pink, you know, he was talking about his books focus on that we need to build creative people. We need to think, um, build like we're building them. We need to support them right. in that that brain, right. the right brain. Right. We need right brain people, yet our school system is focused on left brain. Right. So 
our point in going over this is, is you've got it. This is self-awareness again. You've got to go deep about why you're pushing your kids because the truth behind it doesn't exist anymore. And that doesn't mean you don't encourage them to do well, but partner with them on how they can do well and still maintain their sense of, um, I want to say dignity, but that's not the right word, their sense of self Mm -hmm. and that they're getting sleep and that they're not overscheduled and that you feel like you know them. And tell the tennis racket story too. Like how our parent, how sometimes our kids give us indicators and this isn't serving them. Yeah. Um, can you? Sure. And this can show up in many different ways. But again, since we're talking about Shifali's show. Okay. She talked about a, a client of hers who had her son took tennis lessons or maybe his daughter. I don't remember. And how this daughter kept forgetting her tennis racket or not practicing when she said she was going to. Or was to, late. Or was late for right. tennis lessons. And the parent kept focusing on those behaviors. You're mm-hmm. always late. What's wrong with you? You never forget your, you know, you never remember your racket. The kid is trying to say, well, what eventually happened is the kid said, I don't want to play tennis. Right. And the parent said, you've never told me that. Right. And she's like, I'm telling you by the fact I'm late, I'm never practicing, and you are forcing me to do something that's not mine. So sometimes we as parents have to step back and no, your parents or your kids are not going to tell you. Sometimes you have to be a little inquisitive or think a little bit more about the behaviors and what those behaviors are really meaning. Exactly. And let me take that. Because that kid probably didn't want to disappoint. Of course not. His or her mom. And you know, it may not be that the kid ends up hating tennis, but why are they always late? Maybe they're struggling with their coach. Mm -hmm. Maybe they love tennis, but the setting they're in isn't working. Like these are the kind of communication. And that's when you attune. That's attunement. Todd, perfect. Thank you. Good job. That's attunement. When, when, you know, being a conscious parent means you are noticing Instead of looking at the negative behavior and saying, I've got to fix that negative behavior, you see the negative behavior and you get inquisitive. What is my child trying to tell me? What's going on here that I'm not recognizing? Yeah, they have different ways of communicating with us. And we sometimes only focus on the verbal. Yes. And we're just like behavior, behavior, behavior. How do we control it? Right, get underneath that. And it's beyond that. that. Okay, so so can I just say something really quick? I called that one kindness, Mm -hmm. which kind of we didn't even speak to kindness. But my point about calling it kindness is go to that place inside you instead of the place that needs to be in power, the hierarchy, the the need to tell everybody to be like you, go to the kind place. Go to the place of what do I want most for my child? A positive relationship with them. I want them to feel good about themselves. I want to feel good about myself. Kindness. Kindness. About myself. So I don't know if that was the best word to use. Sorry. Right. But the point I think got made. That's right, sweetie. Okay. I'm like out of breath. I know. You're on a roll. Right. Um, a number two partner is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Their website is chirotree.com. And Dr. Kelly adjusts us on a weekly basis. And she keeps our family healthy and happy. That's right. Healthy families by choice, not by chance. Tuned up. Um, so she has a workshop actually in June. Um, it's Raising a Stress free family in a stressed out world. So on June 10th at 10.15 in the morning, Dr. Kelly discusses the different types of stress, stress management techniques, uh, and how chiropractic can help and more. So she's not just a chiropractor, sweetie. She's a resource of all these different things. She is. She's very holistic. She looks at the whole person. So it's chirotree.com and their number is 630-941-8733. Okay. So let's rewind the show and talk about our discussion last week. I will start. Okay. I don't know how we got started on the topic, but I brought it up because it had triggered me. Okay, um, because in the morning, I think that mm-hmm. morning, uh, 
you and I went to a middle school presentation because yes. our fifth grader is going to be in sixth grade yeah. next year, and they had all these opportunities for after school intramurals and all these different clubs and all mm-hmm. these other things. It's a new world. Um, and I was excited for her and I'm like, you know, there's all these different things. Like I'm totally like putting my own excitement Mm -hmm. instead of allowing her to be excited herself. Once she gets there, I'm already kind of projecting, Hey, you should be excited about this. Mm -hmm. And then it was something like, um, you know, what do you think you might want to get into next year? Do you want to be in this club or this intramural? She's like, Oh, I'm not doing intramurals. And then she said, well, I'm not sure if I'm doing that either. And I said, Mm -hmm. we don't want any kids that are in the three o'clock club or the three thirty club. <laughs> and what that means is when I was growing up and I was in high school, there's a lot of kids that didn't do any extracurricular activities and I wrestled and I did all these other things. So I never did that. So you and I had a discussion about that mm-hmm. saying what? Well, Tad says that a lot and it drives me crazy right. because he already recognizes I don't know if I've brought it to your attention or you brought it to your own attention, that that is an old pattern from your childhood, that you carry a belief system that if a kid goes home after school, that they're somehow not as valuable as the kid who does a million things after school. And I want you to recognize that you just said high school and JC's going into sixth Sixth grade. grade. Right. And so before I even start on that- I'm already jumping ahead. You've already jumped ahead to- Guilty as charged. And so the other thing is, is that JC has already said- on her own, I would like to continue with orchestra. Mm-hmm. And so that's already done. She's right. going to be waking up an hour yeah. earlier. Orchestra happens before school. Taking an early bus to go to orchestra. So that's already something. So then to my credit, I said, oh, okay, as long as you're doing something. But then our discussion went beyond JC. Because, Well, yeah, because you keep saying that. You keep saying, we're not going to do the 330 Club. First of all, the we, you're including me, and I don't believe what you believe. Right. Second of all, I keep trying to kind of shake you and say, will you drop that uh-huh. comment? Right. Because you have told me in very self-aware times, I know that's not truth. Right. I know that's my stuff. But you keep bringing it up to the kids. Right. Yeah. It's an old pattern. It's an old pattern. And you, the what we were talking about in the car, which it, I give you credit for this, you were just saying, which you and I both agree on, keep trying new things. Yes. Keep spreading your wings, which we tell the BU girls, take risks, right. go out and do things you love. But- the the big but is the is she's already doing that right she's already saying I'm going to do this well and the conversation got dangerous or whatever the word is because we started playing with hypotheticals and I right. said something like well what if she doesn't do orchestra and yeah. she doesn't do anything after school and she gets home and all she wants it to do is play on the iPad right I said I have a problem with that right and I'm like okay created problem right we're we're not we're not parenting from the present moment we're parenting from a pretend fictitious, hypothetical I'm trying to solve something that isn't real. And here's the thing. This is the other thing too, Todd. This is since we're getting into this, how much time do we have? Uh, We've got a few more minutes. The other issue is you're so concerned about the girls being on technology. Yes, I am. And I want you, and I shouldn't say I want you, that's not my job. What I want to share with you is that you have so much fear around that you're not allowing for the fun of it. Right. And if, as you as a kid, even though technology was completely different. You had a little bit of time with Atari. You had sure. a little bit of time with TV. I had a ton of time with music. Right. Music was like my salvation. Right. And if someone would have made, in my family, would have made those things negative, that would have sucked. 
I, I really have a hard time not having it be negative. I don't know why. I know, but the thing is, is the kid, you're, you'll be like, well, I'm not, what are we going to do when they're on the iPad all night? I'm like, who, who, when does that ever happen? Right. And if it does occasionally where they have two hours, God forbid, you know, they used to watch movies yeah. for two hours. And the thing is, is, is let's talk about Deepak Chopra's son and the comic books. Right. Remember that? Right comic books. He read comic books. Everyone told Deepak, you shouldn't let your son read comic books. He's never going to do this or that. Well, what does his son end up doing for a living? He's a comic book guru, business owner guy. Exactly. Our girls, I'm not saying they're all going to like develop games or be engineers. I don't know any of that to be true, but there's something that they're getting from their, they they feel downtime on the technology. If it goes beyond a certain boundary, which you and I do set, Mm -hmm. then they're getting into that world of numbing out. But we can't make their fun time where we're disappointed in them. What I feel from you sometimes with them, whenever they grab the iPad is you're disappointed in them. And that's not fair to them. Not in them, but in their choice. Well, what's the difference energetically? Because I know that they are loving spiritual beings. I know. I love that. But But if they choose to be on an iPad for a long, long time, that... That bums me out. What was the first thing we brought up? The energy we bring is what our kids feel. I know. So when your kid grabs for the iPad and you're like, you don't say anything, but your face shows, I'm disappointed Mm -hmm. in your choice. You should be doing something better to please me. Let's go outside. Like I distract, I try to distract them away from it. But how about go have fun on that. When your 30 minutes is done, come get me and we'll go play. Right. Totally different shift where they don't have to feel guilty. Like, I guess my point is, as I'm bringing my baggage, if someone would have told me, get those earphones off Mm -hmm. when I was 11, that was my salvation. I know. And and I would have been like, God, I have to go to school, do all these activities, do everything you say, and I can't listen I know. to music. And my baggage is with the screen and not with headphones. Okay. I think those are two different animals. You're right. But and then as songs we're talking about Deepak, Deepak also said, which I'm sure will be very controversial to certain people that listen. Didn't he promise all his kids that they would be financially taken care of for the rest of their lives? I don't know. I'm pretty sure he did. He's like, don't, don't worry, worry about money. Don't worry about money. If you are a deadbeat living in a gutter, I'll, I'll bring you out. You'll be fine. So, mm-hmm. um, and I should probably do research to make sure I'm telling yeah, the story correctly. That's true. But what ended up happening, they all thrived. They all thrived. Cause they weren't in fear because they weren't in fear. Yeah, I believe that. So I need to research that, but I'm almost positive. He said something like well, that. Maybe there I don't certain think he boundaries. said if you're a deadbeat. I no, think he, he said, just go said, do what you love. He said, well, I think he said, don't worry about money. Mm-hmm. Just don't worry. Mm-hmm. I'll take care of you. And you know, that's a lot of people would say, what a horrible thing to say to a kid because you got to work, work, work. Right. And you got to make your own money and you got to make your own luck. And the point of the story is, I think, if I'm getting this right, is they never had money worries, but yet now they're all thriving. Because his expectation was not that they would be deadbeats, but that they would go internal, figure out what they loved. He expected them to be valuable members of society, right. but maybe he did. He said, don't worry about going and being a lawyer and making a ton of money. Right. Just do what you love. Because right. I'd have a hard time believing he'd just say, do whatever you want. I think he more focused on the inner growth yeah. rather than the external. I got to find that. And maybe if I find it, I'll put it in the show notes. So to to wrap this up, you already, you said you were going to, you figured something out about Well, this. I just, I, I think I'm just once again, uh, understanding that a lot of this is my own baggage that I'm bringing to it and that I'm working on it. 
Um, so I don't know. It's just more of an awareness than anything else. It's one thing to know something. It's another thing to integrate it. it and mm-hmm. live it and incorporate it. And that's my challenge. Like I know what the best way of doing it is, but to actually do it is something different. And that's why conscious parenting isn't a technique because it's moment by moment mm-hmm. because you don't one day wake up and say, I am now a conscious parent. I never make poor choices. Right. Give me a break. Right. I make like every, you know, every minute it's Mm -hmm. like, Ooh, that didn't work. Okay. Got to get back into awareness. It's constant. But what that also does is that keeps me present and being present brings me more joy. So when we talk about conscious parenting, parenting is a lot of work. It's not work in the same way. It's work with a big payoff. Right. And so even though you have to be highly attuned, Mm -hmm. we'll use that word to yourself and to others, and even though it makes you look at your own stuff, the payoff is huge, but we're going to make, I mean, I, on a daily basis, there's things I'm like, oh my gosh, I wasn't, I didn't, it's not about not doing something well. It's, I wasn't clear. Right. I wasn't, I was coming from my own fear. Um, I was yelling at them about something I did, not them. Mm -hmm. I, you know, that's constant. And so, um, so anyway, but it was a good discussion and obviously we, you know, I don't know. We're working on it. We're working through it. That's right. We don't always see eye to eye. No. So anyways. We're looking eye to eye right now. I can see you. Um, you know who's awesome is our third partner, uh, Avid Company. They I do... see his truck all over town. That's right. People love him here. Because he's good. Jeremy Kraft is the owner, 630-956-1800. If you have any work in the western suburbs of Chicago or either, even other suburbs, uh, give him a call, 630-956-1800, and it's avidco.net. And now it's time for uh, me to read a few people that gave us reviews. Um, starts with some, a mindful mom on May 7th, gave us five stars. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, TWPUSL. I don't know who that is, but she gave us a yes, yes, and yes. Five stars. Thank you. Maggie stay gave us love this podcast. And then lastly, real info for real parents, Candyland 19. So thank you to all those people. Very appreciative of that. So if you didn't give us a review, go ahead and give us a review because it helps us uh, gain more listeners and exposes uh, Zen Parenting Radio. Yeah, that's kind of the iTunes way. The more reviews, the more um, access people have. Um, and what else do we want to promote? I wanted to promote the Blackhawks. Oh, yeah. Here you guys know we're from Chicago, right? And you know our hockey team is like kicking some booty and for who the are they, second year in a who row. Who are they playing, sweetie? They're playing the LA Kings. And who used to play for the LA Kings? <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. That's right. I, I like to pull out sports knowledge to impress Todd. Here come the Hawks, the mighty Blackhawks. All right, good enough. They are mighty. Um, They're mighty fun. I have my men's group, so if you're interested in that, uh, monthly men's group, uh, 63095, oh no, duh. Um, comments is mparentingradio.com. <laughs> Whose number are you giving? I was going to give him Jeremy's number. <laughs> Call Jeremy if you want to be in the men's group. That's right. Um, and then BU is going to be picking up this fall, right? Yeah. So we are. We actually have BU graduation tonight mm-hmm. for our, our spring group. And then we. I have BU graduation next week for the Chicago group. So if you are interested and if you have a fourth grader right now and, she, um, and you are interested in having her in BU next year and you are in the District 205 area, please um, email us. We already actually – we only have a few – spots open so it's hard for me to say this on the show because I, there's not hey, a lot can, of spots it's called applying and not everybody yeah. gets in yeah it's we can't make any promises but um but anyway you can uh 
Get us at comments at zenparentingradio.com. And then Kathy has two books, Self-Aware Parent Part 1 and 2, and you can get those off her website, and that'll also be in the show notes. And um, That's it, baby. Amazon.com. Yes. Go to zenparentingradio.com and then click on our Amazon search box, and it helps support the BU program. So Nice. Um, anything else, sweetie? Uh, Any parting words of wisdom? Well, my cup today. Keep trucking. My Starbucks cup says, no experience is ever wasted. Everything has meaning from Oprah. So do you want to do your Oprah thing? Um. He's in the building! <laughs> and I agree with her. Everything has meaning. Wait a second. You agree with Oprah? Yes. With most all things. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. We will catch up with you. Uh, actually, we have a show coming up on Friday. We do. It's a good one. Conversation with people we love. So listen in. Adios. Adios.